word to our hearts, to our lives, and my lips to communicate that which you've put on my heart this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Every complaint is connected to something in the heart that isn't right. Something that doesn't help us. Something that is against our own best interests. As the children were here, I I asked them and then I asked the rest of you how often you've complained in the last week or if anybody successfully did not complain. And not surprisingly, no one was ready to raise their hand and me either. So look back during the last week, maybe the last few hours. Identify a complaint that you've had. Hold that in your mind for a moment about someone most likely. There's a person involved, maybe persons. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps there's conviction of the spirit happening over here. I'm not sure. (laughs) So you, you, you had this moment, this complaint, and dig deeper. Why did that bother you? There's a surface reason. And then there's probably something that runs a little deeper. And, and, and this is really at the heart of it. Every complaint is connected to a fear. Every complaint is connected to a fear. We don't like the way the world is constructed. We don't like the way the nation is going. So we complain about the country, about the president, about our politics, about the media, about an endless list of people to cast blame upon. Because somewhere inside, I'm bothered, I'm hurt, I'm disrupted. My life the way it is, is threatened or could be threatened, and I am afraid of what can happen and will happen. And that's not to say these fears are not legitimate or have, have, have a definite reason for being there. Fear is, is helpful and because it protects us to a certain degree. But at the same time, we shouldn't have to be a prisoner of fear. We shouldn't have to live our lives constantly afraid. And so we complain when something threatens our peace or something threatens our situation that we're in. And complaints don't help. So why does Paul say that here? It's, it's a great verse to pull out of there. I'm speaking of the 14th verse when he says, do everything without complaining or arguing. You could just pull that out. We could put it on the wall. <laughs> it's a good reminder. 
And usually when we read from Philippians and the other letters of Paul to the churches, we think this is a message to the church. And it certainly is. But does the truth of that stop when you get in your car and go home this afternoon? Does the, the, the need to not grumble and argue end when you're not with the believers in, in a, a moment of worship or a moment of fellowship or ministry together? Because you are the church wherever you are. You are a representation of the body of Jesus Christ at home, at work, at your neighborhood, at your school, you take the church with you. So this very uncomfortable call here, I, I, I said I pulled this old Bible out, and um, th- this Bible has the really wide margins so I can scribble. And I, I scribble all over the place, and I underline and all kinds of things. Here's my note. This was the, let's see. And when I read it, I usually had a date on it. So this is the April the 25th, 2007. And my note to self about do everything without complaining or arguing is, ouch, exclamation point. (laughs) Because it needs to be a constant reminder. But why is it here in this particular context? When Paul just wrote that that beautiful description of, of the Christ leaving heaven, becoming one of us, and being humble and humiliated on the cross in death, but then rising to life, and every knee should bow, every tongue confess. Now, remember too, that the context of that phrase, at the beginning he said, in all of your relationships, keep this in mind. So so there is Christ leaving heaven, becoming one of us, dying on the cross, rising again. So what does that tell me in my relationships? I need to let go of self. I need to not worry about me first. I need to set aside everything that I think that I have a right to, everything that I think that that I have coming to me. Let that go and trust God to meet me in the dying Dying to self, and that's what it means, isn't it? Paul writes about, uses that phrase in his writings. We die to ourselves. It means the life that I've constructed, the life that, the the ways in which I, I carry out my life, and here again, my relationships, is that working well for you? If it's not based on Others first. This is the same principle that Jesus spoke of when asked the question about the greatest commandment. What did he say? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Put the other first. So when I am complaining, there is a fear there that well, if I let go of that, what's that going to look like in front of somebody else? What will everyone else think of me? Now, there is a place also to watch out for yourself, to, um, 
to protect oneself because Jesus says there, love your neighbor as yourself. So it's not like, okay, world, walk all over me, go ahead, I, I have it coming. No, that's not what he's talking about. He's saying that, that we all have we all have value because we're created in his image. And, and when people disrupt that value with the horrible things that, that, that people do to other people, it, it, it breaks the heart of God. And how does it get that far where people harm other people in whatever context? Nations rising against nations. Neighborhoods against neighborhoods. Children at school, like Mackie was sharing about, within the home. How does it get to that place? Quite often, it subtly begins with a line of complaints. Because I have to protect myself. The self that needs to die and let go and trust Christ to meet me there at the bottom so I can be restored, so I can realize what I was supposed to be all along, who he called me to be all along, who I can become in him. But fear says, no, don't do that. You got to watch out for number one. You're all that matters. If, I, if, you, if you lose that, who are you then exactly? Maybe you have a false identity. Maybe you have a way in which you've structured your life that, as I said a moment ago, you know isn't working out very well, but you don't know what else to do. And you're afraid. So you complain to protect yourself. So that's why it says that here with... Back up a couple of verses there. Between the 14th verse and the 12th verse the end of when he says there on the 11th, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of the glory of the Father. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence, there's a note of integrity right there to do the right thing, not because someone else notices or, or gives you credit for it, but because you know it's the right thing to do. But the next thing it says is this. This is the middle of the 12th verse. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Whoa, wait a minute. Work out my salvation? Wait a minute, Paul, you write elsewhere very clearly, repeatedly, that salvation is not based on works. It, it, it's not that I've earned my way to God and now I've scored enough points with God and click, you're into heaven. Is that it? No, that's not salvation. That, that's not the gospel. But what do you mean here? To, to work out my salvation. And, and fear? Fear and trembling? 1 John 4 says, There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. So, so is, is, that, is that a double message here going on in, in the New Testament? I'll admit, when I, when I read that verse, it's, 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 it's hard. But... I think this is part of what God gave me in the car. <laughs> think of a workout this way. All right, you can, we'll do an honesty test here. It's up to you. How many of you work out regularly? 
Well, if you do, great. Okay. Regular might mean well, once a week, I don't know, whatever. Whatever you're going to call it. Okay. How many of you want to work out regularly? <laughs> That's me. <laughs> that exercise bike's getting dust. I got to dust it off. Why do we do that? Why, why do we get the exercise bike or go, or go on the 5K or um, lift weights, do, do some simple cardio, whatever you're capable of doing. We understand from the doctor and from medical um, technology that, that the, our body needs to be exercised and needs to, to, to be moved and, and, and the muscles and everything else for, for our whole system to function better. We need exercise. We need to work out in order to get for two reasons. And there's two sides of this. It is one, I'm afraid of what will happen if I don't work out and I'm already there, I've been there, I don't want it to get worse. Or the benefits of being in better shape. And, and you know, hopefully that's what we're shooting for. So, so are we motivated by the blessings of being healthy physically or the fear of not being healthy? Hmm. Work out with fear and trembling. Work out your salvation. If you are a follower of Jesus, you, you've in some form or another asked Jesus to come into your heart, come into your life, touch you, forgive you, guide you, help me, Jesus. God's not that particular about the words you use, by the way, okay? You're focused on Jesus. You're calling out for help. You're calling out for help from him, and, and he's there, Amen. and he has forgiven you. So, so rest on that, you know? So you're, you, you turn to the Lord Jesus for, for help, and is that a moment of fear or a moment of gratitude? So I am saved, and nothing's going to take that away. He promised that. So now, here's the thing. Am I going to work out the salvation that I have? In the same way that I work out my body, am I working out my spirit? Am I working out? And as I work out, I have to confront fears. It's inevitable. So that's why the next verse talks about the complaining or the arguing. Because when we work out our salvation with fear and trembling, and the 13th verse, says, 13th verse then says, For it is God who works in you to will and act according to his good purpose. So as I recognize that God has something good in mind for me, and it's fearful to face it, but I'm going to do so because it's worth it. Not just because I'm, I'm afraid of God abandoning me, and which isn't true anyway, but I also want to embrace what I can have through him as I work out the salvation that I've been given. Do you see that? It's, it's like the fruit of the Spirit. We all want that list, right? 
love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, etc. <laughs> They're good things. We want them. Where's, where's the magic pill that I get that? Or what, what do I have to memorize or do? You have to follow Jesus. And those things begin to work out in your life. And that's what I'm shooting for in this salvation workout. But fear doesn't let go easily. And the, and the self doesn't let go easily. So it's going to want to make us afraid. So as I'm working out my salvation, fears rise up. And what are you going to do with that fear? Give that to the Lord. I'm, Lord, I'm, you're with me and I'm with you and I, and I, and I want to... I, I don't want to be that grumbling, complaining person. Why does that bother me so much? So get back to that first question. What fear is at the heart of your complaint and is God bigger than that fear? Is salvation bigger than that fear? This is the workout of salvation that Paul speaks of here in this passage. And then there's this awesome promise. We probably all know this song. In my case, it came from Sunday school. I think it's a song that goes beyond church. This little light of mine. What does that mean? Now, I was told when I was five years old to hold up your finger. And we're pretending there's a candle and it, it, it's lit or something, you know. And <laughs> all I can remember as a little boy was watching the Three Stooges and, you know, Mo's fingers on fire. <laughs> Sorry, I connected that. <laughs> but what does it mean? This little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. There's other verses of that song. They have other scriptures. Don't hide it under a bushel. I'm not sure what a bushel is, but okay. I'm going to let it shine. What is shining and how do I turn up the lumen so it's really bright? How do I make it really bright? Can I make it really bright? Verse 13. It is God who works in you for his good purpose. So don't complain, don't grumble and argue. And as you are successful at not doing what the rest of the world does so quickly and easily, 24-7, grumble, complain, and argue, as you don't do that, that alone makes you shine. Because look what it says here. Then, uh, so that you will become blameless and pure children of God without fault in a crooked and depraved generation in which you will shine like stars in the universe as you hold out the word of life. A lot of our... What's the right word? I'm going to say our, our witness before the world. That's kind of a loaded word, witness. Um, our Christ-likeness, okay, in, in the best sense of that, before people, isn't only what we do and say, it's also what we don't do and say. In a sense, it doesn't take much to shine when the whole world is caught up in a whirlwind, a tornado of complaining. 
and you don't. And you let it go. You slough it off. Sure, at some level it bothers you, and that's okay that it bothers you, but where do you go from there with it? The world wants someone to blame because they're afraid to look inside. And it's so much easier, it's so much less work to just blame him, her, they, them than it is to go back and look inside me and say, well, at, at, at the core of this, I'm really afraid. And I don't know what to do with that fear. And I don't like being afraid. So it's their fault that I'm afraid. It's their fault that they're threatening me with who they are, what they're about, everything else. I don't know. And so it's much easier to blame, blame, blame. But the neat thing that happens is as you blame less, you become blameless. Does that make sense? In other words, if, if I am... Um, I picked on Mike before. I'll go with Jason this time. All right. <laughs> if, if I'm blaming my friend Jason for something, Jason, being human, is at least tempted to do what, Jason? Retaliate? Yeah, blame back at me. Well, you attack me. I'm going to defend myself. I'm going to attack you back. And then me hearing Jason's rebuttal, well, remember that time? You know, <laughs> whatever. And it goes back, and it never ends, and it deepens, and it thickens, and it's hard to get out of, isn't it? It's really hard. But when I choose the way of less blame, then if I'm not blaming people, they don't attack me, and they see something different in me, and you become blameless because you blame less. You see that? That's what shines. That's what the stars in the sky we look at every night. We, we, can, we can be a star. That's the, the, the metaphor he's using. That's the source of this little light is to be a person that to use another common phrase <clears throat> Through Christ, you're comfortable in your own skin. Through Christ, you know who you are, and no accusation or hurt or pain is going to change who I am at my core. I am a child of God. Would you say that right now? I am a child of God. One more time. I am a child of God. Does, does the accusation stop that? Does the accusation remove that? Does the, does the lie somehow make that evaporate? That that's no longer true because he or she said that or did that. No, that's a lie. And when you can hold on to who you truly are at your core, the one that Jesus left heaven for, went to the cross, went to the grave, descended into hell, and came back from, can the person who's bothering you do any of that? No. Jesus went there first so he could meet us in our pain. Jesus went there first so he could meet us in the dying. Jesus met, met us there first so he could meet us in the rising again. Follow him into that and what you'll find is you really don't have much left to complain about anymore because you know who you are deep inside, his child 
always and forever loved by Him. Do you believe that? Let's pray. Right now, if, if for some, because of some hurt, because of something else going on in your life, or maybe this is all new to you today, I don't know. Do you need to know the Jesus I speak of in, in, in the way that I'm talking about it? Not just about Him, like He's out there somewhere and that's great and He died, okay, great, I love that, but is He, is he a part of you in a way that you've never acknowledged before? Do you need Jesus? And if that's your need today, I welcome you to just simply ask Him, Lord Jesus, show me the way. Come in and take up residence in my heart. You know all that's in there. And have the courage to ask Him to forgive you for all of it. Because... He really has. You just need to acknowledge that it's true. And it's true for you. Maybe there's something else you want to say to the Lord right now in prayer. Then, then just, just go ahead just between you and God. There's something that's really bothering you. The complaints are piling up because you're really afraid of something or of someone or something and you can't control it. And, and there's good reasons perhaps to be afraid. And He's with you in the fear. He's with you in the darkness. He's with you all the way through to help you respond in a new and better way. May the Spirit of God be upon us in Jesus' name. Amen. If um, you said a prayer based upon what I just shared,